Alrighty, we are digging for wisdom. We are in week 10. We are at the week a lot of high school football fans in North Texas have been waiting for because we got some serious bangers. I had coach, uh, I had uh, DJ Bailey's father up there. He said, man, I'm just sitting here waiting for these tickets to go on sale for DeSoto Duncanville because he knows within 30 minutes they're going to all be sold out. That's going to be a big popular game over there at DeSoto, and that's where I really want to start off because Duncanville's kind of been coaching. I think they've only given up 26 points this whole entire year combined with with four shutouts. They're just killing everybody. DeSoto coming off that big rivalry game against Beltline where they had to fight for the game, during the game, and probably after the game at the the local Whataburger or something like that. It was They just had to get that thing behind them with the W, and they have. Now it's time to focus. I know I saw an interview with Caden Durham. He's just like, you know what? I'm just hoping to play three quarters. I'd love to play three quarters. Uh, let me ask you, Diggs, as, as, as uh, the expert here, are the Duncanville players going to go three and a half quarters? Are, they, are the starters going to play the whole four, or are they going to take off? Man, uh, you're, you're just you're just starting heavy right here. You know, we're like we're, we got WrestleMania. This is this is this is basically the the main event of DFW football. To all due respect to our friends in four six A who might be thinking that their big game is the uh, main event, and uh, we got some Houston people that might be thinking they're 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 the main event. But it's Houston, so you know we don't care about Houston very much here. <laughs> Although we will be talking a little more Houston than normal here on the DFW podcast today, because I'm gonna, I'm going to give Ward. Our, our, our buddy Ward over there a test, uh, and he's going to give us some of that Houston knowledge that uh, he's been digging for uh, in, in his other in his other off time there. Uh, but Duncanville versus DeSoto, we have been talking about this for years now. Uh, you know, for the last uh, ten years, I think the rivalry we had it was a one sided rivalry for DeSoto for five years, and now the last four years, including playoffs, Duncanville has taken over the rivalry, and we got to figure out is this going to be a game you know what are the matchups and 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 how is it gonna uh how how are they gonna go against each other and then you start to look at the fact that i always i I love my wrestling metaphors ward i know it just drives you crazy and 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 you like needling at me because you like getting aew in there because you're learning about aew so you can try to create more creative metaphors but this is like we got our w our wwe champion and our aew champion we're called duncanville our wwe champion and our aew champion mjf which is DeSoto, a little bit under you know but feeling very disrespected because they are feeling a little bit under uh the the, the big champion and we're going to put them together in a match and we're going to find out what's going to happen and unfortunately ward i don't think we're going to have a very competitive game i think duncanville is just that much better. Uh, I think DeSoto is going to give everything. I mean, I think DeSoto is going to throw the kitchen sink at them. And it's weird, Ward, because at the beginning of the year, I thought that this would be a competitive 48-minute game that could potentially, I could see pathways to where DeSoto could win this game. But as the season has continued, uh, Duncan, uh, Duncanville has just coasted at a level to where, like you talked about, they just want to play 48 minutes. They just want to get to a point where we can get ready for the playoffs. And, and at what round in the playoffs are they going to actually have to play 48 minutes? Round three? Round four? I mean, it, it's really getting 
I mean, ridiculous how much better Duncanville is than everybody else. And I'm already starting to see the excuses coming out for the DeSoto people because uh, it was widely reported this past week that DeSoto only has about 2,000 students in it right now. And the question is, are they going to go down to 5A Division One? And everybody's talking about how Duncanville has 5,000 students. So you're starting to hear the, well, they got 5,000 students. Of, you know, we're just a 5A Division One team. Of course they're better. You know, we're starting to find that uh, kind of a justification thing. But when when you look at the matchups, Duncanville is just bigger on the lines. They're faster on the skill kids. And not to say that Duncan, that DeSoto doesn't have a wide variety of skill at those levels. It's just a little bit below. And then you got the mental thing. And I, I just don't think DeSoto can get past that mental thing. We kept talking about it. It's like the, the penalty tracker for DeSoto. They're in their own head as far as being able to execute a 48-minute game without mistakes. Another 13 penalties for 160 yards in that Cedar Hill game. I just don't think they have the discipline. I don't think they have the, the, the skill, the X's and O's, or and the Jimmy's and Joe's to beat Duncanville, I, I would set the line at Duncanville 21. But with a Duncanville line at 21, I think they're going to have to play all 48 minutes. I think you might see a 42-21 kind of a game, but Duncanville's going to have to play the whole game. Uh, I don't see this being into garbage time at all, but I don't think it's going to be any risk of Duncanville losing this game. Let's play a little devil's advocate because you got the line at 21. That's fine. I got to swing it a little bit to DeSoto way. Let's first, I, mean, I feel like I've been talking about this for a week because he came on our show this past week, DJ Bailey. He doesn't turn it over. So, I mean, he does not turn that ball over. Two picks in in two complete years. He had no picks this year. Last year he had two through the, the 15, 16 games they played. I can't remember if they had a week off last year without anybody wanting to play him. I'm not taking a shot at Ryan again. I'll let you do that. But he is, only has the two picks, and it's not like he's doing – the quick out passes all the time. He's going downfield with the ball. He's trying to make big plays because he's got those big play receivers. He doesn't make turnovers, and they've been in challenged games. The Watch Hatchie game is one we're talking about. Duncanville hasn't, and, and and sometimes they can get a little lackadaisical. That first pick of the game against Skyline when I was there, I mean, you could see the defender right there, and, and Keelan Russell was, you know, just throw it over there. And they got the pick, and they got knocked out at the two and ended up having to settle for field goal. But – that's when they, it kind of snapped on for him. But you get a little lackadaisical in a game against DeSoto, who who's really wants to get that win, and they don't turn the ball over. That that could be play a key into this game. It's it's whatever the mindset is. You sit around there and you only play a half. You know, it, it gets into you. It gets in your mind like, man, I, we toyed with all these teams all year. I got four shutouts under our belt. We're hell, they don't even want to play us in the off season. I got we only get two off or non district games. It's ridiculous. Uh, we'll just go through the motions here, and we'll get this thing done. Maybe that hurts them. Maybe they maybe they need a little smack to, in order to you know get themselves focused to just kill the rest of the teams in the playoffs and try to get back into that you know six A Division One game. That's just me playing devil's advocate. There, there is a a path as a, as you like to say a lot. There is a path where Desoto can find themselves in a matchup in the second half. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of pathways, but, you know, I, I think of the game plan that Duncanville unleashed against DeSoto last year, and I think we're going to see similar. Caden Durham ran for 340 yards against DeSoto. I think if they're feeling any sort of insecurity, they're just going to say, okay, DeSoto, we're just going to run the ball. Can you stop it? You know, we're not even going to be fancy. We're not even going to do anything. And, you know, once we've demoralized you by showing you that we can just run the run right down your throat for uh, a couple of quarters, then we'll go deep on you and, and open the game up a little bit. So the question for me is, can DeSoto stop the run? 
And when you look at that matchup with their offensive line against their defensive line, I don't think they can – in ten, three plays, 10 yards, can DeSoto consistently without Duncanville mistakes, a holding, uh, you know, an offsides that could – or a, a false start, that could completely change the pedigree of that uh, down and distance. But can they, at a base level, stop Duncanville for 10 yards in three plays? No. The answer for me is no. And if they can't do that, then Duncanville can simplify it. And if they simplify it, then they can use that to get the momentum. And I can't see DeSoto stopping that. Now, the other thing is, can DeSoto consistently get 10 yards on Duncanville? I think they got to do it through the passing game. And we know how good Duncanville is on the secondary. Can they do that consistently for 80 yards across long fields? I don't think they could do that either. I just think the matchups skew toward Duncanville in every minor uh, sub matchup when you look at all the sub parts of the game. Yeah, and there is that flip side. They could have been lackadaisical all year long, and, and finally they see a game where they can finally let out all that stuff they've been wanting to do all year and being able to play only two quarters. Well, let's, let's take it out right here. So there is that flip side. Plus there's the wild card. Is DeAndre Ryden going to play? Will he play in this game? Uh, you know, he's back from the one dislocated elbow. He dislocated the other one, but it's not as serious as the one he did in Allen. So we'll see if he's back. Or they Look gonna... at all these elbows. Everybody's elbow losing part. their elbows these days. Throwing Come them on. here. Back like your old wrestling days, dropping elbows all over the place. The Let's people's hit... elbow. we got to take care of things here. Let's hit the other banger before we, we go on to – we go uh, through our pattern of games here. Uh, South Lake Night Hall. two of WrestleMania. Night two, the second day. We got the, the headliner in the second day, South Lake Carroll against Byron Nelson at Byron Nelson. Uh, Byron Nelson's been itching to get back in this game. They they were hoping for a, an upset last year. It didn't work out. They started off good and then just got wiped off the, the field. What's going to happen this time around? Because now that, you know, South Lake's got the two-headed monster in the backfield now that Riley's is kind of picked up his – his uh, he's picked up where he left off the first half of the season where he couldn't play. Now he's in there getting all wormly on him. All wormly on. Him. We got a rematch, Ward. We got we got Cody Rhodes and we got Roman Reigns, the second year in a row, and, and finally can Cody Rhodes fulfill his dream of defeating Roman Reigns, the Tribal Chief, and and that metaphor really works with this. Although I would be cheering for Cody Rhodes to uh, defeat Roman Reigns, uh, you know I, I don't think Roman Reigns is going to lose anytime soon. Although I think he probably would at WrestleMania. But this is not a wrestling podcast; it's a high school football podcast, and we're talking about. South Lake Carroll and Byron Nelson, and the the first part of that metaphor tr- tracks. I would I love to see. I mean, I, I got in trouble for this two weeks ago. I pick Highland Park to lose at home every single time they have a 50-50 game. I, I get tired of these generational powers who always come in here and just destroy everybody. I want Byron Nelson to beat South Lake Carroll. You know, I want Plano East to beat Louisville this week. I want the small dogs to finally step up and beat the big dogs. But this big dog, I think, is ready to hunt still, and I, I just can't see. I look at that one. It, it, it's the thing that I keep going back to, the one quarter against Keller Timber Creek where they gave up 21 points. And I'm thinking, how are they going to shut down South Lake Carroll if even for one quarter they had a hiccup? They had to be playing perfect for the whole game. And this is a weird metaphor. I'm, I'm going to go two-way football on you. Where there was a big game this past week, Cooper versus Honeygrove. DFW zone. Honeygrove had not given up a point all year. I mean, they were 7-0. and 
facing a Cooper team that had beaten them pretty bad the next year, and it's, it's a pretty good rivalry. And Cooper beat the heck out of them again. And it was the first time that Honeygrove had sc- uh, gotten points scored on them, and Cooper won that game going away. High school football is unfortunately predictable when you have these teams that are consistently better. There's the mental side of it, and there's just the expectation and the culture. Every every element of this says that South Lake Carroll is going to win. I think for me the, the question is going to be, can – Byron Nelson make this a 48-minute game, kind of like Denton Ryan and Melito last week, where you have to wonder. Maybe, you know, maybe South Lake Carroll has to drive to win the game. I think that would be a huge upgrade for, for Byron Nelson if they turn the game to something like that. If it ends up like last year where Carroll gets up, you know, they get up, but then Carroll gets up a couple of scores and they win by two scores, I think that's unfortunately what we're going to see this year. I think South Lake Carroll just has too much defensively where the, they're, they're, they're underrated on the defensive side of the ball. And offensive side of the ball, you said it, they're great. So you put those two things together, I, I, don't, I, don't, see a, I don't see Byron Nelson having a path to winning ward. Well, I've seen two of their games. I've seen two of their games, and I actually like Byron Nelson's defense. Is so much more experienced now, too. But I don't know. It's it's hard to slow down a team that scored seventy three times already this year, uh, and they're coming off two straight games where they scored seventy. So they're they got the thing going, clicking. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one to, to for Byron to pull it off, but. As long as you're playing the game, there's always a chance. And maybe there'll be a weather element. I mean, there's supposed to rain throughout this week. Maybe there'll be an element that uh, causes a ball to hit the turf once or twice that you don't expect. And maybe that makes it a little bit of a game. But we will see. We will see. It's two undefeated bangers. There's a there's a third one, but that one's in 5A. And I already know which way you're going to go anyway between two undefeated. We'll get to that one later. Let's get back to 6A. Let's get back to 3-6A and get this thing started. You Did went off script, Ward. You, you just don't like you don't you want you want to do what you want to do. You want to talk about the main right. events first. Main events are supposed to be last. No main event. There's a reason why at WrestleMania they don't put Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes first. You got you got to stay around. Everybody's turning off the podcast. We're like, yeah, well, we talked about Duncanville, DeSoto, and Carol and and Byron. You can at least put one at the end, Ward. We Come are on, Ward. We're putting them one five a one at the end, and then uh, everybody's going to sit around and wait for us to talk about uh, Crandall at the end of the show. Right. And everybody needs to know that Dennis and Crandall game because that's important. All right, there is a lot of ramifications of Dennis and Crandall. That's what we should be doing: is selling the back of the podcast board instead of giving away the goods. You're learning how to give away the goods. You're learning how to produce. We're we're doing what they call a deep tease. We're going to talk about Crandall Dennison later in the show, but right now we're talking three six A. We always do the big one first on your show, so I think you you got we got to take you back to producer school, Ward. There's no way. Now, let me ask you, let, 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 since we're talking about this, what game will start off this inside high school? In Duncanville, just like we did this podcast. There's no okay. way in heck I'm going to wait at the end of a 30-minute show to give the people their Duncanville highlights. That'll run me out of the business. Now, Dixie, when is Trinity at their best? They're at their best when they not have just one, but two big-time running backs, and they – Introduced my man JT Harris. The T is for tantalizing. JT Harris in a big way as Crowley threw out their uh, Denver Bronco defense out there and and just let them run to pieces on them. And now they got a game against Weatherford, but Weatherford's got to pick up a win here to try to solidify a spot. They got to pick up a win in the last two weeks here, maybe two wins. Talk to I mean this it's going to be confusing with three, four, and five or three and four with the fifth team not making it. Talk to me what's going on in the playoff situation and then tell me what's going to happen in this Trinity-Weatherford game. 
What's always what I love about Twitter is is I, I have a problem, Lord, and, and I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you about one of my problems. It's like I have a hard time with assumptions like, well, if uh, you know, if Mansfield Lake Ridge can beat Duncanville by 17, and then you know Skyline can beat DeSoto by 24, then maybe Mansfield can slide in the playoffs. You know, there's a lot of times where I just assume things like that ain't gonna happen. That ain't gonna happen. You know, past the, so I'm bad at that, and, and and that's one of my problems in doing playoff projections. Because then all of a sudden people are like, well, "What about this? What about that? Why don't I even think like that? I can't even fathom a world where Lake Ridge is going to beat Duncanville." I mean, they didn't. It was seventy-six nothing. We already had that game. But just as a hypothetical, right. I have a hard time fathoming those hypotheticals. But some people have shared hypotheticals in this district where we might have you know five-way ties. At, you know it four and two for second place and all kinds of stuff. I, it, you know, I, I'm just going to throw all those out. So I, I think at the end of the day, uh, and somebody corrected me on a tiebreaker, apparently 3-6-A does things a little bit different than a lot of the other districts where they eliminate the bottom team and then go to head-to-head. I thought when I was looking at this three-way tie between Bell, Boswell, and Weatherford, if it ends up happening at uh, three and four, uh, that uh, Weatherford would win the tiebreaker because they uh, have a little bit, they have one more point uh, differential on uh, on Boswell and Bell. But the way they do it is that they ended up pulling out Bell from the from the three-way tiebreaker because they were last, and then they go head-to-head with Weatherford and Boswell, and Boswell beat Weatherford last week. So Boswell actually is currently in the driver's seat if that's a three-way tiebreaker. But now everybody basically has one shot to eliminate that three-way tiebreaker. And Weatherford's shot is against Trinity, and Boswell's shot is against Crowley, and LD Bell's shot next week is against Trinity. Yeah. Uh, so all three of them have one shot to get a game up on a game that they shouldn't win. And if any of those three teams can do that, then they're probably going to be the team that's going to make the playoffs. If none of them can then it's going to be Boswell if they all win what they're supposed to win and lose what they're supposed well, to. What lose. do you have as the most likely out of those three things happening? I, I mean, of all those things happening, I don't think LD. I think LD Bell Trinity is the most fascinating, just because of the rivalry aspect mm-hmm. of it and how bad LD Bell wants to win that game. Uh, but I think you know when we look at this Trinity, the Trinity that played Crowley. You know, and, and that's going to be the fascinating thing because now you got Crowley versus Boswell this week, and we kind of Crowley's kind of lost a little bit of the luster. On the diamond looks a little bit different now, and I don't know if you've ever had to do that ward. Like if all of a sudden, you know, we're we're kind of alluding to Crowley versus North Crowley nine and 9 and zero next week for the district championship, and now that Crowley lost by forty to Euless Trinity, does their diamond look as good to you now? Not sure you even want to go to it now. Now it's like ah, oh, catch the highlights at some point, right? Because their Crowley's defense is kind of roughing up that diamond a little bit. Their defense is just really letting them down. And like you've always told me, they don't play two halves. They don't play two halves. And the, and the half they picked last week to not play was the second half, which is where Trinity you know, fires up and they went 42-7 on them in the second half. And I like seeing that intensity out of Trinity. And with Trinity, and, and not to say Caleb Williams had an impressive, he had 400 yards, he had video game numbers against that. And now you got Crowley against Boswell. And can Crowley actually overcome that ability to play for, and play 48 minutes? I think Boswell's not going to be able to match up as physically against them. Uh, what Boswell Boswell does is not as consistent for 48 minutes. Uh, Boswell has played great in spurts. There have been times, but Boswell hasn't played 48 minutes. So with both of these kind of flawed diamonds, we're kind of to the cubic zirconian 
uh, arrow. That's that's what I can afford here, Ward. Uh, I think Crowley beats Boswell. But Boswell, if they're able to beat Crowley, all of a sudden now Crowley is looking at getting into that three-loss club because they're not going to beat North Crowley next week. Uh, and, and that might uh, change the elements of how the playoff projections work as well. Uh, and, and they're going to be fighting for their lives at that point. Uh, and then all of a sudden, if LD Bell beats Trinity, we might have an LD Bell Trinity um, Crowley three-way tie. So, so many ways that things could work out here. Uh, but Trinity, I mean, let's give Trinity their flowers because they have uh, stepped up. They have gotten better in year two of the line weaver, junior line weaver experiment. And like you said, two running backs are starting to uh, get their identity back and they're starting to get their mojo back. This is the first time that I feel like Trinity is looking like Trinity. I mean, last year we had Trinity versus Keller as our projected first round game and Keller took care of business. Now you look at that Keller uh, Trinity first round game, which is still are somewhat projected. You know, we'll find out if Keller is able to be Timber Creek. We'll talk about that. That's a good segue into that, but I also want to talk about 3-6-A a little bit more. Uh, that game is looking more Trinity-ish. And then Trinity goes out to West Texas. You can see Trinity is a dangerous team. If they, The further they get in the playoffs, the more confidence they get. They're a much more dangerous team, especially because running the ball in November and December works so well in these bad weather games, uh, which, as you talked about this Friday, it's more, it's more Thursday, Ward. You might want to bring a poncho on Thursday. But Friday, you know, you never know. You know, if, if they're just a if, – if Pete Delkis is eight hours off in his projections, you never know, and, and, and things can go crazy. Uh, but I, I think uh, Trinity is a fun team to watch. So in this district, I got North Crowley 1. I got Eulis uh, Trinity 2. Crowley, can they hold on versus Boswell this week? That would put them in the three spot if they can. If not, then we're going to have all kinds of chaos. We've got to unwind into next week. Right now, Boswell looks like number four if L unless LD Bell can beat Trinity. But I know if that game means something, you'll be there with a yeah. big smile and, and ready to go. But next Thursday, you talk about main events. Next Thursday, you got decisions. You're going to have to send out the big crews on Thursday. You're going to have to tell everybody to take the Friday off. Everybody, all hands on deck on Thursday. We're getting, next yeah, time. we're getting six guys out there. Or, excuse me, six games out there. Three guys get six games. And knowing my man James Harris, if that Trinity Bell game means something, he's going to step right in front of me in line. And all of a sudden, we'll have a seventh game. And he'll he'll find his way out there. By the way, if it's a rainy situation, I bet Trinity would love that on okay. Friday. I don't know if they will. It will. But like I said, it's so much funner when they have two guys. They always have the senior and then the junior. We know that guy's going to be coming up. JT's going to be coming up as Bell goes on. And then there'll be somebody after him. Those are the trinities that we love to see because the offensive line just loves, you know, opening holes for guys that they know it's going to be a pew. We only have to block for three seconds and then they're gone for 15 for into the house. So and I got Trinity over Weatherford big as well. Do you? That'll be I fun. Do. And then we'll, we'll be, try to dissect which team is going to make it in the postseason in week 11 of our podcast, because it's, we're definitely going to be talking about this district for sure, because it'll come down to one or two games there at the end. And, uh, what, we got Crowley and Weatherford are both going to have fairly easier games, right? One of them's got Pascal. Well, not Crowley, but Weatherford's got Pascal, and we assume Crowley's probably going to get beat by God knows how much. Crowley next week. But, I mean, for me, when I'm looking at things, and, and I hate to be a spoiled sport, even if it means something, but if, if, if Trinity is 40 points better than Crowley and if they beat Weatherford by 21 to 40, how much – Credence, do we really think that LD Bell is going to be competitive in that yeah. game? I know it's a rivalry, but you know the only thing is saving it, right? It's the rivalry deal, and they're tired of seeing that sign where you can't spell Bell with 
23, 24 L's without 24 L's. It gets longer every year more. They're going to get a, they're going to have to go into the second sign here pretty soon. Exactly. They're tired of that. Hey, you teased it a little bit, but let's talk about Timber Creek Keller. That's a good one for seeding there as, as Eaton played their way out of it by losing by 50 to South Lake here. We didn't think they were going to win that thing anyway, but goodness, they could have held them below 70, I think, but talk us about Keller and Keller Creek. Did Keller get their, uh, as you call mojo back. You know, we, last week we kind of offered a couple of games where we wanted to see kind of the responses. We talked about Mansfield, where they're going to be able to respond, uh, and they play they played very much better in the loss. We talked about Wiley, would they be able to respond? They looked really kind of lethargic against Damon Forrest. Keller, they responded. Uh, you know, we talked about that rivalry game and and all of the. Even in that element of it, I didn't see them coming back and beating Fossil Ridge by four scores the way they did. Uh, you know, Keller just looked like they got right back in it and like, okay, it's like we remember how to ride our bike, and, and they went back looking like the third-place dominant team. Timber Creek, they looked really dominant against Northwest Eaton a couple of weeks ago and the way they took care of them. So this is a coin flip game, but the Keller that beat – Fossil Ridge by 30 gives me pause that they are that team. They're the third best team, and there's still a delineation between three and four. Uh, so I and, and I saw Cameron Rayford back in there. It looks like they got all guns on deck. They you know they, they got beat up, but they learned from it and stepped back in. I think Keller's going to beat Timber Creek by seven this week, Ward. And uh, if they don't, that's going to make Keller versus Halton next week a game that could get interesting and could change some things up uh, in, in hypothetical world. But I think there's a pretty big gap between Keller, Keller, Timber Creek, and the rest of this district. Uh, but I think Keller's just going to be a little bit better than Timber Creek. But you know who's been uh, raving about Timber Creek all year? It's been your boy Digsy. So, uh, you know, Timber Creek can certainly do it. But I think Keller uh, gets a little bit of uh, the edge right now. And then I think they said too much. Is that still leaning towards a Keller-Trinity first-round playoff game or no? It, well, if not – so much could happen, but right now we're Trinity's looking like they're going to be the the uh, you know, that North Crowley Trinity has already happened, so that would make Trinity uh, D one second seed, and they would play the winner of this Keller versus Keller Timber Creek game. But if so somehow Bell gets in there, all of a sudden it's yes. not. All of a sudden uh, Trinity's number one seed, but that's right. And the North Crowley goes to Division two, and now we're talking about North Crowley Byron Nelson and, mm. or or South Lake Carroll in the first round. That'll be sweet. Hey, the, we talked about this last week and weeks before. Five, six, eight gets busy at the end of the season. This is when we start divvying up who's going to be where, finished where in the in the seedings. We know the four teams that are probably going to be in it. Didn't Geyer kind of put a little statement out there by beating Allen? I know Allen's got some late scores, but the Geyer defense was was so solid. Eli Bone and they got a Cobbs kid back there in the secondary as well. You remember Kedrick Cobbs, the running back, where his younger brother is playing solidly in the in the defensive backfield for him as well. Uh, Bowen got another run that looked just like Peyton Bowen in the punt return. I mean, just the speed, the burst of speed is just amazing. If I could run that fast, I'd be the grocery store and back before you're done talking about this game. But I can't run that fast, Diggs. My knees in my 200 weight. Yeah, the gout got me back. Gout's holding me back. What do you think about Guy or McKinney? Because McKinney is 7-1, and one, but, man, that's not an impressive last win at all. I mean, some you, people – You talked about that game because you were there. I, I wasn't at McKinney Rock Hill. No, I was I, at. I thought you were. You're, 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 you're talking in text message like you might have been. You're, yeah, you're no, like, I, 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 you're to, mad. You were. 
you're just getting the updates from that, and you were just mad about that game. You know, we, we always talk about something, and, and I can't ever tell you what the something is because I, I'm not in, in intimately embedded in the program. But something has happened at McKinney. They are not the same team that they were when they played Longview at the first week, even though everybody is theoretically there and they got everybody back. But something has changed in, in, in their makeup, and uh, you know they were pretty. They had to play Rock Hill. At, that was a 48 minute game, and it was a back and forth thing, and they had to squeak that one by that version of McKinney, the version of McKinney that got killed by Allen is not going to be competitive against it and Geyer. Now they have another gear that we saw against Longview, but we haven't seen it in a few weeks. And I don't know what element is not there. I don't know if, if uh, we know the offensive line is not good. So if they've had one or two bang ups on the offensive line and, and now you're basically playing with a five, a offensive line in a six, a banger district, uh, that's probably the most likely culprit right now is because we just think they can't open holes uh, for, and they have no diversity because they don't have a, a true quarterback who can go out there and, and sling it consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have those two elements that kind of allows teams to game plan uh, for McKinney a little bit easier. And McKinney has to basically outstar everybody with their top stars uh, to kind of overcompensate for this. Then Geyer has that offensive line. They've got those kids that, you know, we, we might, the unknowns that we know we, we might not talk about all the time, but are so pivotal to their success. Allen's got them. Prosper's got them. Geyer's got them. McKinney doesn't have them. McKinney's got the stars. McKinney's got the big names on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, they got Brian Jackson and Colin Frazier and, 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 and God's Power, and you put all these big names, but the people who are blocking for them are – Old school McKinney. And when I talk about old school McKinney, this is a McKinney that's gone three and seven. You know, that version of McKinney has not been upgraded. They got the stars, but they don't have the upgrade on the offensive line. I think Denton Geyer is a 14-point favorite in this game. Yeah, I mean, you can have a Brian Jackson, but without the offensive line, his name might as well just be Jackson Mahomes because he's not going to get anywhere with that. And it's going to take an upset win over Geyer or Prosper to even have you think about picking him over Capel. I don't even think – I think Capel will be back on your side, jumping on your back this year come playoff time because I can't imagine you picking McKinney over Capel the way things are going right now. And then, go ahead, you look like you're. Oh, I, I was just thinking, it's crazy how things change because we expected McKinney to be better this year, and we expected Capel to be the same, but getting better with with Coach Wiley over there has kind of created a new culture. And now all of a sudden, Capel looks unbeatable. You know, they're just like looking like this the the next coming. Uh, everything we expected Louisville to be, all of a sudden defensively, they've like got into this new gear, and nobody can score against them now. And you got McKinney, who you're just like, you know, they got a quarterback transfer they had all these players coming back and now they just can't you know there again there's something wrong there uh with mckinney and and if if you had asked me at the beginning of this year got mckinney capel round round one digs what do you think and i would have been like i I think mckinney's gonna take him to take him to take him to school but all of a sudden now it's changed and it's changed drastically. And you're right, Coppell, they're going to be, Coppell and Diggs are going to be loving each other. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, talking uh, hypotheticals this week. It's a little 66A before, but we're still going to talk about Prosper Allen fans. If you're, if, if you're trying to jump to 66A, don't worry. Uh, but, you know, we need Coppell, we need Coppell to take care of Flower Mound this week. This is the Plano East commentary here because, you know, we got, we got, got to live the dream, folks. So Coppell and Plano East, we're, we're like hearts right now. So we got, we got to stick yeah, together. I'm a, I'm a I went like this. 
since you started talking bad about Flower Mound because we did everything you asked us to, and now you're asking us to lose. We don't got to lose, lose, then you got to win. That's all, that's all you got to do. do that. Right. One, more, one you. more thing. You're asking too much out of us. We're just going to do our own thing and just win out. How about that? Well, that, that would be very unfortunate. Yeah, that would be very unfortunate for you, wouldn't it? Here we are in week 10, by the way, and guess who's sitting over here ready to make a run? Those Prosper Eagles. You don't talk about them hardly throughout the whole season because they struggled against Trinity. They lose to Rockwall. But here we are. They went out and they got themselves a district title. They have an Allen team. Couldn't generate much offense whatsoever against Geyer in the, in the first quarter, two quarters and a half. And now they're going to go up against a Prosper team with that man-child on the offensive line. It's, that'll be a nice little matchup, by the way. Umi Ozulu against, uh, against, against that big Ellis Davis I hope they those guys match up. I will have a camera out there to give you all the highlights. I'll have them focus on that matchup in the trenches at one. one a couple point. of times, yeah. Just have them have them focus have them on that. Focus on that. But what do you think about? How do you think this one's going to play out? Because it's at Prosper, and I know that's going to feed into it a little bit. Having a home this, game. This one is weird for me, and 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 I, I get in trouble on Twitter because I'm I, I don't give Prosper their flowers like maybe I should. I think you want to give them their flowers, but this Prosper team still seems a little bit off relative to the last couple of Prosper years. And but they're saying, well, what do you expect? You know, we're still the same record. We're still the same Prosper. We're still winning in similar ways. It just for me, I can't you know necessarily use words to describe it. I, I just don't feel like they have. Last year, they, they, they beat Louisville. They made it to the you know the regional finals. They got killed by Duncanville. It's going to happen. But I look at this region now, and it, especially if North Crowley goes D1, North Crowley just seems so much better than Prosper now. And so I, I look at that, and I, I feel like that's the obstacle that Prosper can't quite overcome. So I, I look at Prosper just a little bit different. Whereas last year's version of Prosper, I thought you know they did beat North Crowley. I picked them to beat North Crowley. I know it's a different North Crowley squad. But this Prosper does not in my eyes have regional championship realities. I don't think they could realistically win the regional championship unless North Crowley goes division two. Then I think it's just a matter of everybody is down. Everybody who's left is down at that point. Uh, you know, even Arlington Martin is now looking at this district and going to well, Louisville. They're not as good as they were. Allen, they're not as good as they are. We're beating everybody by 80 now and, and we're back. Uh, so even Arlington Martin now is looking at division one, like, why not us at the end of the day? Plano East is looking at this division going, we, we can win this region right now. Plano East, we're going to the state championship, baby. You can see it. Well, I'm you not can doing see that it. Prosper. I'm not doing that with Prosper. Every time I try to reach out with Prosper with my, the flowers, you rip them out of my hands, you start kicking them, knocking them off the stems, and I'm left holding a bunch of stems. But I'm not doing that this year. I'm putting the flowers back on the stems, whether they're fake or not, and I'm going to pick them all the way until I can't possibly pick them anymore until they go up against like a Duncanville or something because they bit me in the butt the last two years. So I'm just going to ride with them. Ellis Davis, carry me all the way. Carry me. I'll follow you guys. You know, they are the, the complete opposite of, of McKinney and the fact that their offensive line is so talented. You know, and you talk about Ellis Davis, but all five of them. I mean, as a unit, they are well coached, strong, and, and they can they open up lines to where players who are not necessarily Division One talents are putting up Division One talent numbers because their offensive line is beating up the de defensive line so well. And offensive lines generally stay a little bit healthier. You know, they they get they, get, they have fun. You know, they like beating up the the other side of things. Uh, but Allen's got probably one of the better defensive lines, so this is a fun fight. You know, Styles make fights kind of a game, but I just can't see Allen does not have yeah. 
what Prosper has done with their skill kids has been a little bit more consistent than what Allen has done with their skill kids. So if you put the offensive and defensive line, it's kind of a, a net neutral. I think Nathan Tenbarge and what he has done, even as a sophomore at quarterback, has probably been a little bit more impressive than what Bricker has done at Allen. Uh, this past game against uh, Geyer, he threw a couple of interceptions, no big plays. Uh, so I, I, I trust Tenbarge more uh, to take what he's got and make better plays. And I like what the coaching staff has done to put him in good situations where even as a sophomore he's not put in situations where he has to win the game he just has to manage the game uh, we got Trent Dilfer out here and he's playing Trent Dilfer like football and that's not an insult at this point because obviously he has a Super Bowl ring I have a wedding ring he has a Super Bowl ring he might have a wedding ring too but uh, I, I think Prosper wins this game by two scores all right I like what you're saying kid let's go to a 6-6-A I'm really thinking your boy uh, from Plano East, they're kicking themselves with that Hebron game because Hebron's really, uh, at first I called him inconsistent, but now I'm just calling him, you know, below average. It's just not working out for Hebron offensively for that team. And to lose that game, it's now put you in a place where you may have to wind up beating Marcus at the end there. You don't know if all your little scenarios that you have in your head, you probably haven't written down, put on the refrigerator at your house. Memorized, Ward. You're memorized. memorized. All your memorized scenarios where you need Fireman to bail you out all the time, we're not going to lose this week. So after we beat Capel, which will be a stunning upset, and we're going to throw a parade all over the place, we're going to meet you at the Highland Village Barnes & Noble and throw books at you. After that happens, then what's going to happen? You got to beat Marcus. Talk to me about you beat Marcus. But you know, there's also a scenario. We got Plano East versus Louisville this week. If Plano East wins out, they get a home game, and not only do they get a home game in the first round, they are undefeated at Kimbrough this year, four zero at Kimbrough. Or is this one of these scenarios that you just got angry at somebody else that said, "Oh, these magical things that can happen"? I mean, if, if Plano East goes five and two, beating Louisville and Marcus, they will be in second place because they will have beaten Louisville and Marcus and have the tiebreakers over both. So they would be second. They would be Division One first seed, and they would be I'm hosting Allen. I'm going to leave it in your hands here because you've seen each and every Plano East game. But are you really saying Plano East is going to come into Louisville and, and beat them? No. Okay, no. but then why are you bringing it up? Like it's there. It's a hypothetical that exists in the world. You Plano East could win out. You just went out on the Mansfield Lakers fans and said, hey, if we beat Duncanville, then all of a sudden, and you just said, I'm so hot, tired of hearing that, now you're giving me the same scenario. Hey, I, I'm talking about the three and four get in the playoff scenario. That's the dream scenario. That's why we keep talking about that. I've been lining it up because, you know, I, I want to get in there. If you get in there, you never know what's going to happen as far as that goes. Coppell just continually impresses me with how good they have been. I mean, the way they beat Hebron, uh, 49-0, just completely dominated them. You know, Plano East is the only team that scored in the last three weeks against Coppell as they're going through district and, and knocking things out. And how about, what were you thinking, Ward, when you saw that 56 to 13 score come across your, your screen over there as they say Plano East defeats Plano West 56 to 13. I was thinking I'm in for a long podcast, and boy, you are in for a long podcast of Plano East love and admiration. We're going to talk about Crandall. We're going to talk about Plano East. When we talk about Frisco Emerson, we're going to be talking about Plano East. That's what we do on the Digging for Wisdom podcast. By the way, because U.S. Trinity is our our magnetic north, but our soul is around Plano East. And if you can understand the soul of Plano East, you can figure everything out. 
in in the DFW area. It's just how it all emanates from there. Uh, but this week, uh, I, I do think Louisville is it's a pretty hardy favorite over Plano East. I think uh, Coppell is a pretty hardy favorite over your Flower Mound team. And then the rest of the games, do they even really matter at this point? We got uh, uh, Marcus over Plano Big, and we got uh, uh, Hebron probably bouncing back over Plano West. But you started out by talking about how that loss against Hebron has really impacted things. Remember, Ward, that game was their homecoming, the Brian Brazel Stadium. Yeah. We had no chance in that game. You, okay. you put that up there. We had no chance to, to overcome that mojo in that game. But what they did do is show the resilience to come back and beat Flower Mound and take care of business over uh, Plano and Plano West to become Plano City champions. There is the more likely scenario that if <clears throat> Louisville beats Hebron, Coppell beats Flower Mound, and Flower Mound beats Plano West, you'll have, and uh, Flower Mound Marcus beats Plano East, if all those things happen, you'll have three teams at three and four. Plano East has already won that tiebreaker. They're going to the playoffs. Can't get my Jags in there, can I? Yeah, they they, they got to be Coppell or hope that uh, well, they can't tie. They got to be Coppell. That's how Flower Mound gets in there. All right. Well, maybe Coppell will lay down for us. I doubt it. That's just wishful thinking. By the way, that's, it's official, by the way. Plano East, uh, Marcus game. They, we will be presenting that big check at that game to the training staff of Plano East. I expect you to stand up and clap. Uh, for a long time, maybe get everybody up and clapping because the trainers over there, Plano East, they deserve the the big check that they were sending. Plano East got a big check last week when they were playing. Dave Campbell gave him a big check. Everybody's giving Plano East big checks. Yeah, well, ours like tops that check. I mean, we we're putting in extra I'm not zero. Are you giving? I don't an extra know. Zero I'm not saying that because I don't know what Dave. Cam- if Dave Campbell's gave him fifty bucks, then yes, we're putting an extra. Yeah, yeah. Get the big check for fifty bucks. We're spending fifty bucks on the big check. We'll Give you 50 bucks. On there if that's what they do. Marketing and promotion right there. Let's move on to 7-6-A. Pierce had a chance to make it into the postseason with some wins, but they're not doing it. They lost and they're gone. Last game that means maybe something is Highland Park and Richardson, but that's the whole little Lake Ridge talk there. Richardson has to beat Highland Park. And some other things have to happen. Just talk to me about that game and what do you think is going to play out here in 7-6-A? Well, Ward, it's time for a bit. I, I know how much you like bits as part of that. But, you know, the DFW podcast, we are committed to covering all the teams. We don't just commit cover – we don't cover South Lake and Duncanville. We talk about Paradise and Brock, and, and, you know, we talk about all of the teams. And this week, Ward, as we get into these odd-number team districts, some teams are going to be saying goodbye to the football season already – Week 10, because they've got the week 11 bye and they're not going to make the playoffs, they're going to say goodbye. So we here, as part of the DFW podcast, we are going to say goodbye to teams. And everybody who is not who is going to be playing their last game this week, not next week, because then we'd basically be covering every game in the state. Uh, but this week, we are going to say goodbye to you. And Irving Nimitz, our friends at 1-8, and eight, uh, who will be playing their last game against Richardson Berkner, Professor Diggs would like to say goodbye to you, and I'm going to pick Berkner by 38 over Nimitz to say goodbye. Sorry, Irving Nimitz, one and nine season, but uh, thank you for, for for being part of our podcast this year, Irving Nimitz, the Vikings. Exactly, and while everybody's going through a last week of bruising practices, you guys can get make sure all your helmets you put away nicely and the jerseys are clean for the summer. 
Basketball season coming up. Basketball season, hope springs eternal. But Irving Nimitz, we want to say goodbye to you. I actually calculated a scenario award more to more relevant to your point uh, that there is a scenario that if Richardson can beat Highland Park this week and Richardson can beat Jesuit in week 11 and Richardson Pierce can beat Highland Park, then Jesuit and Highland Park out of the playoffs. Oh, my goodness. What do you think about that scenario, Ward? How much? How much are you? How, how much are you putting I'm on that? I'm not paying any attention just because I don't pay any attention to Lakeridge saying they're going to beat Duncanville or in that scenario. What about that parlay right there? All right. Well, I'm not putting any money on that. That's we sure. talk about Irving. The Irvings. How about Highland Park only beating Irving MacArthur twenty-four to fourteen last week? Richardson beat Irving MacArthur by like forty. And now you got mm-hmm. Highland Park only beating them twenty-four to fourteen. Are we going to see? Is, and we talked about Richardson and Lake Highlands. I might even go to Richardson and Highland Park. I haven't decided where I'm going to go this week, but I might go to Richardson and Highland Park because what a kick! The Highland Park Richardson played Highland Park closer than Highland Park played Lake Highlands. They should have been. They should have been Lake Highlands. Should have Lake Highlands had two days to play Highland Park. It's really not fair. I mean, when you have two, I don't work in two days to come back. You give you give Randy Allen forty eight hours to game plan in the middle. He got he had to go to sleep and get to game plan. He got to game plan in his sleep against Highland Park against Lake Highlands, and they could still not overcome uh, Deontay Dean and everything going on over there. And dream of the plays he needed. All right, but I do. I do think that I do think the dream ends. Highland Park takes care of Richardson by f- at least fourteen. But if they only win by fourteen, that's a moral victory for Richardson, even though they are, they're not going to say so. That's I true. will declare it a moral victory. They can take the moral victory into the offseason. All right, eight six A. We got some. Uh, I was kind of surprised that Bowie went over South Grand Prairie last week. Were you? I know we usually like to see South Grand Prairie win their last five, but they stumbled in that joint. We talked about first halves and, you know, being able to play 48 minutes. What did South Grand Prairie did? They got up 21-7, and then they, they pulled a Crowley, and then they went on home. They pulled an Arlington and went on home. And uh, Bowie scored 17 late and, and, and took that game. And now we got Bowie versus Martin next week for a district championship. And we got uh, Bowie this week against Arlington Lamar, a Lamar team that got humbled by uh, Arlington uh last week and now they're fighting for their playoff lives trying to get one win to get as part of a, a potential uh, tiebreaker situation and you got Arlington who looked as good as they've looked they finally played 48 minutes against Lamar uh, against Martin and Martin's looking good the 86a is a fascinating district to look at uh, but let's start from the bottom up because you know I, I like to talk about them all uh, this week Ward I think we're going to say goodbye to Grant Murray Okay. Grand Prairie against Sam Houston, Grand Prairie's last game of the year. We got 0-9 versus 0-8. I think Grand Prairie is going to go out on top. I have, a, I have a theory, Ward. If you win the last one, if you win the last one, it, it brings a lot of good vibes, a lot of good mojo. You're off season. You're, you know, you're like, ah, oh, we won our last game. We're feeling pretty good. You know, right. most teams in the state of Texas could not win their last game unless they're the state champions or they're Grand Prairie. Right now, and Grand Prairie has an opportunity to win their last game because they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, and now they're playing Sam Houston. Give me Grand Prairie to win their last game. Going Gophers going into their hole with a win and turn things around next week. By the way, Draylon, Draylon Burton played really well for Arlington last week. I was waiting for him to have a nice game, and he, he had it last week. And it's going to be interesting to see the Bowie-Martin game because, I mean, Bowie didn't – I mean, 
maybe within their locker room, they thought they were going to be playing for a district title. But now here they are, man. As long as they don't fall into that trap game with Lamar, they're going to be playing for a district title next week. So that would be pretty interesting. They will. I, I think Bowie should take care of Lamar this week. Uh, but again, Bowie has been so inconsistent. If Lamar can get back to that Lamar that gave us 48 minutes against Sa- – I saw him against Saxe in the uh, uh, preseason, but uh, they get back to the 48 minutes against Waxahachie, that version of Lamar can beat the- Bowie. So to me, it, it's a pick'em game. I think uh, Bowie is going to win the game by seven. Uh, but Arlington Lamar, at their best, has an opportunity to throw this into chaos. And I think Arlington. You talked about Braylon Burton. Arlington at their best against Martin from earlier in the season because Martin's been putting up big numbers against teams that they've been been significantly right. better than. But what are they going to do when they actually have to play a team that's going to be consistent? We don't know how Arlington Martin's going to be against some of the top teams in this thing. So I think Arlington has a really good chance uh, to, to pull a surprise, but I think Arlington Martin should be considered the favorite. Uh, I'm going to take Martin by 10 against Arlington. I think Arlington's going to give them everything, but I think Arlington Martin is legitimate that much better. Excellent. That'll be good. Hey, uh, we saw, as we moved to 9-6-A, we saw – Wiley get rocked by Wiley East, and they needed to have a feel-good game against Naaman Forrest. They won, so they feel okay, but they didn't win very significantly. And now they're walking right into a game where they could have another, you know, 60 points put on them. What's going on over there at Wiley with Coach Carter's squad? Are we going to even see them compete in that first playoff game when they make it? Saxe is has been a very unexpected team. Those Mustangs have, have played good. You got Lockett and George and, and that connection over there. Their offense is putting up good numbers. Uh, when I saw Saxe play in preseason, I was really impressed with their defensive line. I think that's something that is an element of their game that, that is impressive as well. Wiley has kind of fallen under that McKinney umbrella of something is wrong over there, but can't really quite figure it out. I don't see anybody really stand out missing in in, in the box scores, so it kind of leads me to believe offensive line, defensive line, some health issues uh, that they just don't have the ability to open the holes that they did when they beat Hebron earlier in the year. I mean, remember Wiley was a team that beat Hebron, uh, you know, in, in, in preseason. I think Saxe going to have their way. I don't know if they're going to go Wiley East on them uh, and beat them 66 to 10. But I think Saxe gets at least 40 in that game. So I think of maybe a 49-14 kind of a game. Something's wrong over at Wiley, and I don't think they're going to play a competitive first-round game. Yeah, and they, and they finish with Garland. They have a good chance of stumbling right into the playoffs and – well, you hate Garland, so what, why are you talking good about Garland now? Does somebody, Coach Russell, kind of give you a give you a talking to? He gave me the what for. I just got that running clock in my head, and I just have problems with that in week one. But who are you saying goodbye to in this district? Anybody? Got to say goodbye to South Garland. South Garland against Garland. This used to be the preeminent rivalry in Garland. You had okay. South Garland and Garland back in – early aughts or you know, night, late 90s, that was the fun game. You had those two going out there. I remember you had uh, you know, South Garland used to be able to go out there and sling it around. And uh, the, the, the quarterback, like Nick Russell or somebody, is right on the tip of my tongue. Do you remember who I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, really uh, I thought it was Seth Russell. Maybe. You know, it, it, 
Oh, well, Seth, well, I'm talking about South Carolina. Oh, Nick Florence. Nick Florence. Is Nick Florence, yeah. You know, they go out there and throw out and have – he went to Baylor and, and had huge yeah. huge games over there for South Garland. Now it's a little bit different. This is not your, your parents' South Garland team. Uh, but they actually – I feel like they have gotten a little bit better this year. Uh, but Garland, I think, has gotten better too. I think they responded from that uh, McKinney-North game and, and bounced back. And I think Garland is going to say goodbye to South Garland and, and send South Garland to basketball season where South Garland's generally pretty Pretty good at basketball. That's right. Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey. I love there it. There you go. A couple bobbleheads with that kid. All right, let's move on to 10, 6A. And Dixie, let's take some time to talk about North Forney. I mean, 7-1. and one, You see that 7-1 and one record. Maybe some of the wins aren't as impressive as you like, but some of them are. I mean, we've kind of poo-pooed Mesquite Horn these days, and yes, they got stomped out by Rockwall, but they got a chance to prove what they have coming up with Tyler Legacy and Rockwell Heath to finish the season. Talk to me about this Falcons team. Yeah, North Forty has been one of those teams you just can't really figure out. Uh, but, you know, but, but what you can figure out is pretty good. So when I break down uh, North Forty, I mean, offensively, they are, I mean, Tamarian Crotchet uh, over there. I mean, this past week he threw for five touchdowns, 300 yards. They've got a running game with Kellen Sanders. And they got uh, Atikin Asuquo over there rushing the ball. They got the two-headed monster and all of that. All of that to say North Forney offensively is a much better team. But defensively, that's where their questions are for, for, for North Forney. Uh, and Tyler Legacy, they're up and down uh, – ridiculously. I mean, that you know, 10, they're very much like Mesquite Horn where you got 10 and seven with some games and you got 37, 30 other games. Uh, they're good enough to stick around and they're pretty much guaranteed themselves uh, the inside track for the four spot. There are a couple of uh, situations where Roy City could theoretically steal a uh, win, but Tyler Legacy is a very kind of a I feel like they're a fortunate three and one because they got Mesquite Horn when they were down, and and they seem to have gotten the home gate. They got, you know, they've they've got Mesquite when they're down, and uh, you know they get Roy City when they're a little, a little you know, they they get Roy City unexpectedly. Uh, so I, I feel like it's a very fortunate Tyler Legacy squad. I really like North Forney over Tyler Legacy in this game. I know it's a road game, and and that's a kind of an off uh, a big X factor when North Forney's got to go out there and and win that game. But I remember. North Forney and White House. Uh, so North Forney is definitely familiar with East Texas speed, East Texas schematics. Uh, so I think North Forney is going to take care of business. But if Tyler Legacy wins this game, it's it's they're progressing up, you know, and, and we talked about it in the campfire award. Who, who told you Tyler Legacy in the playoffs? The playoff team, and I was going to – I obviously ignored it because it's an East Texas team, and I don't like hearing about East Texas teams. But I ignored it, and then they start off poorly, and I was like, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Typical digs. Boy, that guy does not know sports. And now all of a sudden, they look like they're in there, guy. You did it. You've done it again. I did it. (laughs) Now let's let's talk about Roy City because that three-point loss to Tyler Legacy kind of took a little luster out of this this Heath game. I mean, they still – you said an outside chance to make the playoffs, but – Losing that legacy game and, and a Heath team that's playing really well this day, it, it's you got to give it to the Hawks in this one, right? Yeah, I mean, you uh, Hawks have to be a little bit favored, and Rockwell Heath is a very boring six and two. And I say that you know they don't win impressively; they 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 lose kind of 
uh, impressively as far as, you know, they, they get blown out by Rockwall and, uh, you know, they get blown out by Denton Geyer. But, you know, they, they, they win these games and they, they're doing it with defense or doing it with coaching. So they're sitting here at six and two and they're not a team you're really talked about. I don't think they're not in my rankings. I don't think they're in the morning news rankings. So they're not a top 25 team. But they just get the job done, and they get better every single week. Uh, you know, that's talking about Coach Webb and what he's doing over there. And I think he likes flying under the radar in this way. I think he's going to continue to do it uh, against Royce City. Uh, I think it'll be a, a slobber knocker. I think, you know, not, they're not going to go out there and blow out Royce City. But I think they're going to beat them by one, two scores and uh, cement their way into the playoffs. And Rockwell Heath, unfortunately, though, uh, Rockwell Heath is probably looking at Saxe in the first round of playoffs because by eliminating uh, Roy City, they've kind of guaranteed themselves a uh, Division 1, or by eliminating Mesquite Horn, uh, they kind of guaranteed themselves a Division 1 seeding, uh, which means that they will have to play Saxe in the first round. And I don't know if that's a good matchup for them. I don't know if it is either. It'll be a tough one, but you never count out Coach Webb. I know you, you, got, a, you got a goodbye to say, and the team that you're saying goodbye to, boy, I don't know if they're going to go out very well. Go ahead. Mesquite. We say goodbye to Mesquite. And I, I feel like a lot of people were very high on Mesquite in preseason. So I feel like this has, uh, for some, been disappointing. I kind of thought Mesquite would be right about here. I, I thought Mesquite would be at the bottom of the district. I uh, worried about their depth. But I know uh, people were uh, coming at me and saying they thought Mesquite 3-4 in there. Uh, you know, But uh, I think they kind of f- fell out where they were. And it's sad to see where Mesquite has gone in the last few years. Uh, and even Mesquite Horn, I think Mesquite Horn has probably been one of the more disappointing teams in the Metroplex this year. Uh, so I, I think Mesquite has a lot of soul searching to do uh, in this offseason. Uh, Mesquite Horn's going to be bringing back enough players to where I think you can get that confidence back with Mesquite Horn. I think Mesquite, unfortunately, might be start going the way of uh, Mesquite Poteet and West and might be more at the bottom of the district. I think Mesquite Horn still has a few more years left in their run if they can get it going together. But Ward, I mean, we've talked about Mesquite Horn and we talked about how they're just playing around and, and now they're looking at things and they're done, Ward. Yeah, they're done. They, they, they messed around too much and now it's – in a 17 district, you can't mess around too much or you're, you're done quicker than you want. So they're out. Another team that messed around a lot is an 11-6 A's Mansfield, and they're on a complete free fall, but there's still hope. They can hope if Cedar Hill gets beat by the two lesser Mansfield teams and then they find a way to beat Skyline and DeSoto. But, man, Mansfield, they, they at least showed some grit and, and played wax tough, but yet another loss. Talk to me about Mansfield taking on Skyline this week. You know, th- this is one of those fascinating games because you know, M- Mansfield fell under that radar of something is wrong there. But finally against Waxahachie, that defense stepped up. You know, Mansfield's defense over when they were playing Cedar Hill, and you know that was the, really the problem. And now all of a sudden they're starting to generate turnovers. They were starting to uh, play, but now the offense kind of let them down in that Waxahachie game. Uh, but I think that version of Mansfield should be able to beat Skyline. But if Mansfield regresses back to the other uh, version of 
Mansfield where their defense just doesn't show up. I think Skyline has an opportunity, even though it's not going to help them for the playoffs, I think Skyline has an opportunity to build for next year, get a, get a Mansfield ISD City Championship, not necessarily on uh, the legacy forfeit would not make it official, but they beat Lake Ridge, they beat legacy on the field. If they beat Mansfield, Skyline being the Mansfield City Champions, I think gives them a little bit of confidence going into offseason and say, hey, we, we can compete with uh, those teams. And now with realignment, I think Skyline's going to get pulled out of this mess and get a much more favorable uh, alignment next year, maybe with the Richardson schools. That's true. That would be interesting because they were in there with Richardson a couple of years ago, right? Before yeah. the last one. Should be interesting. Uh, and, of course, everybody's going to be watching DeSoto Duncanville in this district. We talked about that already. So let's take it to 5A. Hey, how about Denton Ryan? They still Ryan. They almost did something against the still Ryan. They almost did something against the leader. I'm telling you, man, this this, uh, this Mossett kid, I like this kid. I like him a lot. They're playing him behind center now. He's 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 kind of a clone of Hoss Haney, to be honest with you, with, with the speed he's got, the unpredictable speed. And they almost took Alito down, but Alito finds a way to win at home all the time. They got it. Maybe that's their little trip-up game, and they'll be ready to keep on going from here. Kind of makes you wonder, and then Ryan's going to probably think, here's Dig going too hard on him. Why wasn't Mussett playing quarterback all year? You know, I mean, he, he, he's been in there as more of a gadget guy, you know, yeah. somebody who you can use as a receiver, a quarterback and trick plays. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I think he was at Frisco Memorial. He was a quarterback. So I think he was, you know, he, he's there. And then I think, you know, you put Hobbs in there at uh, quarterback and thinking, OK, well, maybe we'll put the sophomore in there and let him develop and, and kind of build up there. But this offense just works better with him as the guy, you know, you want to put the ball in his hands 40, 50 times, whether he's handing it off, whether he's running, whether he's throwing, give it to him. And in that version of Denton Ryan looked as good as of Denton Ryan. I mean, they played better than they played against Alito last year. And this is a better Alito team this year. And this is a worse Denton Ryan team than last year. So Denton Ryan did show that still Ryan mentality. But it kind of makes you wonder why it took him this long to figure out this is the guy you got to give the ball to 30 or 40 times. So Denton Ryan is one of those teams high and low. It kind of reminds me of Lake Highlands where all of a sudden they, they beat Highland Park, they blow out Richardson Pierce, but then they lose to the Colony or, you know, they lose, they yeah. barely beat Richardson. It's like, what version of this are you going to get? And the team we're going to say goodbye to in this district, by the way, is the Colony because they're playing their last game, but they're not going to know whether or not they're playing their last game probably until about 10 p.m. next Friday because of all, all the different playoff scenarios that could happen. They don't know, so they just got to kind of sit there for a week. I, is there anything worse, Ward, than just to sit there and wonder? I mean, you got to practice as if you're going to make the yeah, playoffs. That's the, that's the brutal part. You're going to practice for a whole week and then 10 o'clock. By the way, bring those uniforms in. Sorry about for all that extra sweat we made you get out of your body this week, but we ain't playing no more. Uh, so I guess we're not really saying goodbye. We're just saying hang tight. How about we say hang, hang tight? tight. Hang, hang tight, the colony. Uh, we get to find out about Justin Northwest this week, too, because, you know, they've 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 lost to Alito and they beat all the other teams that they probably should beat. And now they're playing uh, they're playing Centennial this week. They get Ryan next week. We're going to find out who what Billy Poe's got over there. Yeah, we are. And uh, for me, I've been a little bit down on Burleson Centennial and I'm, I'm a little bit more down on Burleson Centennial. And unfortunately for the colony, because Burleson Centennial already beat the colony pretty significantly, if Burleson Centennial slides down to that fourth spot, the colony can't win that tiebreaker, which means basketball season is a, a lot quicker. So uh, they got to hope that 
then Ryan starts losing and gets down there to where they can potentially win that tiebreaker. Uh, but I don't think the Colony is going to get there, but mathematically they have that opportunity. But Justin Northwest, they have been doing it running the ball. I always think about Justin Northwest as, you know, how many good quarterbacks they've had over the last 10 years. And now they're doing it, pounding the ball with a, a good offensive line. And I like that version of, of them. Now they have the ability to throw. It's not like Burleson Centennial where they're scheming to run. They do, they're just, you know, asserting their will, whereas Burleson Centennial is scheming uh, to, to get the run out of there. Uh, so when I look at this version of Justin Northwest versus Burleson Centennial, I've seen this game over the last couple of years. I think a couple of years ago when they played in the playoffs, I, I got to check out that game. Burleson Centennial has typically won this game, but I think Justin Northwest is going to avenge their losses over Burleson Centennial in the last couple of years and take care of business. Well, it'll be fascinating. I'm very fascinated by the Justin Northwest and Ryan game next week because yeah. both, the, you know, we don't know truly how good either team is and how good they're going to perform when it matters. Because Alito was watching that Bur that uh, that Justin Northwest game thinking, you know what, this Justin Northwest team's got, they got a little something. You know, we beat them by 28, but they got a little something. But yeah. then they had to hold on for their lives against Denton Ryan. I guess they're probably looking at that Denton Ryan team saying, ah, I guess they got Maybe a little they something. Maybe they got a little something. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if we want to see them in the playoffs again. You know, we got to hope they get Red Oak in the first round and get, get on out of here again. And what I like about the Texans is they've got, they got four games here where they've given up seven points or less. Now, it's lesser teams, but in the past, even against lesser teams, they were giving up 20. So yeah. it's good to say, see their defense playing some ball as well. Uh, how about uh, we move over to 4-5A Division One? I. I don't like what I see on this run sheet. I don't see a single DFW team on there. I will start off talking about DFW, though, because my man Wesco stepped up in that battle of the best wide receivers, and he's finally getting you to give some respect. Hey, I talked to Coach uh, Wendell uh, this weekend, right after the game, and he talked about his son. Not he's not going to be able to play the rest of this year. His son is his injury is significant enough that he won't play. So we will see Shannon in there the rest of the way. But he's pretty happy with the way this team's playing. He remembers all the stuff that we said about him again after the Seguin game, and he's hoping at some point you will let him toss him one flowers way. He doesn't need a whole bushel of flowers, but toss him something because now they're sitting up there. And they could be playing for district title against Red Oak. I feel like we need a new hashtag, hashtag still Midlothian, because that's basically what they've done, you know, and, and that's kind of what they have turned into. Whereas I looked at that Seguin game, and, and I've, I've had some of the assistant coaches going, well, look at, look at what Seguin did to Ennis this past week. You know, ah, Seguin still having to, can have a hard time making the playoffs, but that's a Division II yeah. talk. Uh, but Midlothian, the way they have progressed, I, I am definitely impressed. They've gotten better. They have figured it out. Uh, because the morning news didn't really cover that game, I didn't get to see the West Coast stats, but I know that I felt like every stat about uh, uh, Micah was coming across. My Every time Micah did something great for Lake Bell, they would come across. But when Wesco did something, I guess the, the Twitter suppressed it. So, you know, uh, I hear he had a good game, but I, I, I could never know exactly how good. He got a couple touchdowns and a third one that was going to be a touchdown, but got knocked out at the one, and that was one where he just ran all over the field. That was like a – 150 yards of rushing, running just to get to the one-yard line. But he had a solid game, and and I'm telling you, they're starting to play some serious uh, football. I almost said basketball. 
football. Well, they, they, if they can, if they can translate that offense to a little bit more of a basketball on on turf thing, and, and maybe because Wendell gets hurt, they have to a little bit more. Maybe they have to play yeah. a little bit more to the strengths of uh, their quarterbacks and 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 take it from a pure running game, and maybe that forces them to get Wesco the ball a little bit more. You know, this district has been a district where defense has been a bit of a liability for Lake Belton and, and Colleen Shoemaker. Uh, and that's what's fascinating about this Colleen versus Colleen Shoemaker game as it's for the last playoff spot. Yeah. Can Colleen Shoemaker play enough defense uh, because our offenses are going to be fine, but can they slow down Colleen? I think they can. I think they're going to slide into that fourth playoff spot. Midlothian Red Oak next week is another one of those big games that we're talking about. Uh, that'll be for a district championship, a fun game. Both teams are flawed right now. I, I feel like the way I've seen it, when I just look at the when I just look at the Lake Belton calibration, don't you got to go with Midlothian in that game right now? You have to. You have to think that way because Red Oak needed everything they could, plus some some luck there. I think with our hail mary and whatnot to get past Lake Belton, and you know Midlothian won by twenty points. So yeah. Yeah. And, and that game was never really competitive. And the way Midlothian, if Midlothian is playing at their highest, they're a they're a very hard team to stop. And now Alito is going to be looking at that because remember that's generally a third round game, especially if Midlothian can get to the the one seed. Alito, I don't know, a good Midlothian offense against Alito that could be a fun game too. Ward, you mentioned this on the dump. Maybe you can. I don't know how. I, I'm testing your memory here, but run down those because the three five a versus four five a first round games are, are going to be highly interesting and highly competitive. As of today, run down what those games would be. Well, the one game that's probably not going to be very fun is Alito versus Colleen Shoemaker. That's pretty much there. But then you've got the – however they end up ordering, you got the, the bottom three of 3-5A against the top three of 4-5A. So if you got Midlothian at number one, uh, then you've got Midlothian against maybe a Burleson Centennial in the first round. But if Red Oak wins that game, then you've got Red Oak versus Denton Ryan potentially. There's all kinds of ways that this could go out. But if, 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 if it goes the way I think it's going to go, you're going to have Alito one. North, uh, Denton Ryan 2, Northwest 3, and Burleson Centennial 4. So in, in that case, you're going to have Denton Ryan versus uh, versus Lake Belton. Then you're going to have uh, Red Oak versus uh, Midlothian. And, or you have Red Oak versus yeah, – Midlothian next week. You have Red Oak versus uh, Justin Northwest. And then you're going to have Burleson Centennial against uh, Midlothian in the and first round. I like round. all three of those games. Because and all three of those games are fantastic. The interesting contrast in styles in the Midlothian Centennial game. You got a flex bone against the what's the what does Centennial run again? The triple option, triple option there, and then then Ryan with a home game against Lake Belton. That I mean, these are all good ones. I, I love that, and we're going to miss this district during realignment. I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, Alito's going up to six A, but well, this is going to be a fun. Are you excited to finally fire the clean schools? Are you like petitioning yeah. them to like get them out of here? Get them out of here. Hey, who are you saying goodbye to in this district? Well, I think we have to say goodbye to those Cleburne Yellow Jackets. Uh, they're going to – and I think that they're going to end with in, in a good way. I think they're going to beat Waco this week. But Cleburne, 3-7, and seven, saying goodbye to you. Goodbye. Thank you for friend. your service to the uh, the podcast. And we I don't think we said goodbye with the colony. We're, we put the yeah. colony on hold. So we're not yeah. really truly saying goodbye to them yet. But, we're just uh, saying uh, see, uh, hang tight. Hang, Hang time. Hey, two undefeated is going. Our third banger in 5-5A, although who, some might not find it a banger because uh, Timberview is just 
super uber talented in this district, but they're taking on Richland and Richland hasn't lost a game and Richland, you know, they got hit in the mouth early by Birdville and then they were like, just leave me alone, Birdville, and took off on them. Michael Turner, is he going to be able to gobble up some yardages against Timberview? Tell me, what do you think about this 8-0 versus 8-0 game? Well, you look at Richland, and we talk about these teams that have a problem only playing for a half. If Richland could manifest that second half that they played against Birdville, against Timberview for 48 minutes, I think it could be a competitive game where I'd still take Timberview by 14, but it would be a game that would be back and forth. If they got a turnover or two, maybe Richland could steal and, and get in there. But given that Richland can't play for 48 minutes and haven't shown me they can play for 48 minutes, Timberview hasn't had to play for 48 minutes. One of the things I think we could talk about and could have let off the story if you weren't so starstruck with DeSoto and Duncanville and Byron Nelson and South Lake Carroll was that Timberview put up 90 points last week uh, on Sunset. And that is uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of people are talking about that. Is yeah, that yeah. bullying? Is that wrong? And, you know, I've talked to officials who were at the game. I've talked to people at the game. Timberview did everything they can. And I that's think that's totally. why – it's a non It's really a non-story because everybody agrees that well, the story. Is, wait, you say did everything they can. What are you talking about? To not make it be a blowout. I mean, yeah. To, I mean, the fact that they're they're putting defensive linemen in as running backs. I mean, people were playing out of position just so they could play. Well, the story. They didn't take knees. The, the story is is that we have a, a Dallas ISD coach saying that Timberview's running around stomp pumping their chest because they won. By 90, and I don't think that ever happened. I think people just looked at the score and assumed that way. I uh, I would assume there was a running clock, but to get 90 points, maybe there wasn't a running clock. I don't know there how was. you get 90 with the running clock. And, and you're and you're asking third stringers who never get to play, who find themselves through a big hole to just fall over, and that's it's impossible. I don't know where this coach gets off by saying they were thumping their chest. I don't think they were. I think it's just ridiculous, and it's the same coach. His team beats teams by 60 points themselves. So is that a, a, a chest thumper too? Anyway, I, I agree with you. I think Timber, I don't think Timberview is bullying anybody. You can only do what you can do. They don't want to be in this district any more than Lancaster wanted to be in the district when they were killing it because it doesn't get them ready for the playoffs. It's right. not getting ready for nothing. Yeah, and I mean, Sunset, I mean, lost to Newman Smith by like 60 or 70. So, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those situations. And then Sunset, you know, it's not like they haven't won a game this year. Sunset has actually won two games in this district. So, I'll let you know kind of the disparity between the top and the bottom of this district that they beat the – you know, they beat the teams in the district like R.L. Turner uh, and and, uh, and Brian Adams at the bottom of this district. So Sunset, uh, you know, they're two and five in this district, uh, and they have a decent chance to go three and five this week against uh, Molina. And that's the team we're going to say goodbye to. And I don't think that they're going to be winning this game. I think Sunset will be saying goodbye to us in a sad way. And I think Timberview wins, like I said, wins by 14. But I think Timberview could potentially win this game by a lot more. I think this is one of those things that if we're Richland takes a half off. Timberview is going to go to the moon on them. That's one of the reasons I didn't want to lead off with that. I don't want to bring any more light to something that I don't think is is realistic as far as uh, trying to blow and thump their chest and, and bully teams left and right. But let's talk about the the other game in this district, the Newman Smith WT White. If WT White wants to make it in here, they got to knock off Newman Smith. Is there a chance of that happening? And this is game at Lowe's. I believe it is at Lowe's, right? 
Uh, it might be. I, I, who knows? It, it is. It is game, yeah, Ted Lowe's. Go ahead. Yeah, it is at home. You know, this is a game where WT White is looking at their schedule. They end with Newman Smith and Birdville. Uh, so if they can win out, they could theoretically go to the third spot in this uh, district. Uh, but if they lose out, they're going to make. They're, they're going to not make the playoffs. So they have basically. It's almost like the zone playoffs board. Like we're getting into the six uh, five A uh, over in uh, Division Two. Uh, you got two games, and you got to win one of the two games to make the playoffs. Can you get third? Can you get fourth? Uh, I don't think they're going to win either game personally, but I think uh, the way they've been playing, they're going to be competitive with Newman Smith. But I think Newman Smith is much better than WT White. I think Newman Smith is going to make a statement. I think Newman Smith wins this game by three scores, Ward. How about that? Three scores. Three score win. And then we Trojan know. power. There we go. And that'll put them in there safely. Uh, 6-5A Division One. Boy, I think you need to – Figure something out here with Reedy because I think Reedy's going to do to Heritage just what they did to Frisco last week. Uh, if uh, Heritage thinks that they have a chance of getting in the playoffs, hey, if we can just upset Reedy, stay down. And you have to say something because you gave Reedy a lot of grief, and I think you're coming around on him now because I, I think this is the – I mean, they lost to Lone Star, yes, but, man, they're right up there as a class of this district. I'd love to see that. Lone Star Reedy game. I would love it to see like it was the NFC East twice a year or something because that one's going to be a good one. Uh, if they, yeah, they ever play, play and like have the top four play each other twice and have the bottom four. Frisco, Frisco thought it was their time to shine. Hey, we're undefeated. Look what we can do. And I was actually thinking about going over there as my second game. I looked down. It's it's thirty something to three. I was like, man, I ain't going over there. I'm gonna stick around here. McKinney's is ridiculous. Reedy is that good. I, I, I struggle with this because I, I was down on Reedy, and I'm not trying to just protect myself here because Reedy has definitely over overshot every expectation I had for them, and a lot of people had high expectations for them. I did not have high expectations for them. No, but at the same time, what are they doing? I mean, I, I, told, I, I saw Frisco in person, and I knew once I saw Frisco in person, I was like, they're not winning another game. You know, they beat uh, Heritage in that battle of field goals because of ineptitude. You know, who, who's going to play worse, least worst in that game? Uh, and I said, Frisco can't win any of these games. Mathematically, they can. I guess mathematically, they can uh, theoretically win the whole district, but they weren't going to after I saw them. And, and Reedy just – Reedy had – the, the style to be able to beat them. I think Reedy is a favorite over Heritage, but I think Heritage has a little bit more offensive firepower uh, to where it's not going to be as ugly. I still think Reedy's going to win by three scores, uh, but I don't think they're going to win by six scores like they did last week. Now, when you get Frisco against Lone Star, again, it's like which version of Lone Star is going to come out. Uh, but Lone Star looks like they figured out a little something on the defensive side of the ball, and since Frisco hasn't figured out anything on the offensive side of the ball, I think this is a pretty safe game for Frisco. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lone Star, even though is any game a safe game for Frisco, Lone Star feels like. I think Lone Star will win this game by three or four scores. But Reedy was competitive with Wakeland. You know, they they that was a 50-50 game. The Lone Star game, we know back and forth, it's like which version of that. Uh, so Reedy is kind of, I, I think Reedy 2-3 in this district, it, that's kind of where they are. But I think there's a big gap between them and Frisco. Who are they looking at? Uh, Newman Smith or Birdville? Either way, they're probably going to win that one. But it's... it's... They're looking at Birdville or, or Newman Smith. At, Newman at, Smith in the first round. Okay, and that's that's a. But win then from there, it's Longview. So. All right, then they'll have their issues there. I don't know, and and, and this is how much I think Lone Star will probably beat Frisco. Uh, 
it's going to rain Thursday, and that's the only indoor game, and I'm still not going because I think Lone Star is going to take care of business, and I'll just sit out in the rain and suffer uh, before I see Lone Star put up whatever they're going to do against Frisco there. Wow. And that's just the way I am, man. I'll take the rain in the face. By the way, are you saying goodbye to anybody in this district or what? Or, or saying hi- we, are, we, we are going to say goodbye to a team, uh, but we're not going to say goodbye to them because Frisco Reedy gets the Week 10 bye, so they get two weeks to prepare, and I think they will get to be preparing. They are a playoff team, and they will have the extra week to sit around and go check out Newman Smith and W.T. White and figure out who this third-place team is going to be. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure they got scouts over at W.T. White, Newman Smith this week. They'll be over there. Maybe they'll all go. Maybe they'll take a, a field trip over there field to trip. Newman Smith and W.T. White to see, to scout out who they may be playing in the first round. But we're not saying goodbye to anybody except I, I thought we'd be saying goodbye to Reedy. But guess what, Ward? Very rare opportunity. I was wrong. You were wrong. I was wrong. How about that? didn't happen that often. I was wrong. At least on air. me. I was not right. I completely underestimated Reedy. I thought Reedy would be – we'd be sending him out to basketball season and volleyball season right now, but Reedy has shown that they got a little something in the tank. The offensive-defensive line uh, was good enough to uh, continue. The, the skill players have uh, shown up, and I was wrong. Yeah, Sorry. well, Coach Cole knows who's always in his corner. Your boy. I'm always Lizzie. in his corner, man. Lizzie. 7-5-8, I'm interested in, in your pick in this game. Uh McKinney North and Forney, they both have solid running games, uh, have put up, have running backs that put up crazy numbers with Jaden Walker and Tavian Osborne. Talk about this game because maybe on the defensive side, Forney has a little bit of an edge, but maybe on the offensive side, North has the edge. So, to, And you've seen North live, so talk to me about this. I have. You know, when I consider the fact that, you know, we talk about, you know, styles and McKinney North has a really good offense, but they're going to be feeding into Forney's really good defense. Forney's offense, a little bit eh, but McKinney North's defense, a little bit eh. So I, I, I think that Forney's defense is better than McKinney North's offense, bet way more of a factor than uh, you're going to see on the uh, on the inverse of that. Uh, so when you look at that styles, I feel like McKinney North is going to struggle putting up points, but I think Forney's offense is probably good enough to be able to put points up on McKinney North's defense. Uh, so McKinney North's offense can't hold serve. I think very similar to what happened in the Longview game. It's just going to get away from them pretty quickly. I think Forney is 14 to 21 point favorite over this just because of the matchups. All right. I think that'll be an excellent game. You want me to uh, talk some 8-5-A for you? I do because this is 7-5-A for for those who are just coming into high school football because we have to pretend we're getting new listeners every single week. And if you're unaware, fans, 7-5-A plays 8-5-A in the first round. All four teams in 7-5-A play all four teams in 8-5-A. And uh, the first-place team in 7-5-A and the second-place team in 7-5-A will get home games. And the first-place team in 8-5-A and the second-place team in 8-5-A get home games. So what that means is our third- and fourth-place teams here in the DFW podcast's own 7-5-A, our teams, have to go to the Houston area, or Louisiana, as you call it, for certain teams. And this week, 8-5-A has a couple of very important games to determine uh, some very important spots. So I want to get some of that wisdom from what you do on that side of the ball. Digging for digging for You know, I, we had two bangers here, and then we had a, a 1A game with the Timberview game. But we had the same things happen in Houston. They got a Tassie seat in North Shore and Willis against the Woodlands. Those are their two bangers. 
But the game that's right underneath it is Barbers Hill against Port Arthur Memorial. Uh, Port Arthur Memorial has really been putting up points against everybody. And Barbers Hill has proven that they can get beat when Laporte took them out. Uh, but Barbers Hill gets them at home. And I like the Eagles quarterback. They got a guy named Cody Fuentes out there that – I, I guess you'd have to go down there to see them if you're watching seven five eight team because they're not going to finish probably any less than second. I don't think they could. Laporte could finish second there, so maybe you will see Barber Hill come up this way. But I, to me, those four teams are in are already figured. I think Kingwood Park is kicking themselves losing to New Caney Porter because that's just going to put New Caney Porter in there as probably that fourth team, and we're looking at Laporte probably be in the second team because I don't think Barbers Hill is going to beat Bar- uh, Port Arthur Memorial. So that'll put Barbers Hill at three, bringing them up here to face the two seed, which would be who? Forty. Uh, you think it's going to be 40 because you're predicting them to beat McKinney North. That actually might be a nice game there. Although, I, man, I hate to do this to Coach Fleener. I'd probably pick Barbers Hill in that joint. That's just the wow. way it is. And then Laporte's got the home game. Are going to hold up that game if it happens? Laporte has the home game against McKinney North, and that'll definitely be a two bird with one stone game because. But it's not a home game because they're playing at Barbers Hill. Barbers Hill as they're they're getting their new stadium constructed. So, and they had success there. They even won a road game at Barbers Hill, at Barbers Hill, which is their home stadium this year. So they won a road home road game on their home stadium. It's, I guess the Jets and Giants do that mess all the time. So. New New Candy Porter has no chance against Longview, but it's still they might put up some points at least. So maybe, if the way I'm talking, maybe uh, eight five egg is three out of four. I don't know, man. That might be crazy talk. I might need to reevaluate that. Man. Lancaster well, this week we got Baytown Lee against New Candy Porter. Does Baytown Lee have a chance? Baytown Lee has played the has or is two and four. They played the four teams that are better than them, and they lost to all four though. So. They've already played their way out, I think, because I think New Caney Porter beats them. Even if they don't beat them, it's, it sticks New Caney Porter at three losses. They have Barbers Hill left, so I guess they get four. I guess they could sneak in there as the fourth team. But either way, they're all both Both of those two teams are playing to lose to Longview. Um, but, I, don't, I mean, I don't have much faith in Baytown Lee winning that game. So there's your 8-5-A talk. Houston listeners, stick in the DFW podcast every week for a good four to five minutes on Houston talk. And then we'll go right back to DFW, which is what we're going to do. Right, Diggy? One thing I'll just say is fascinating that I'm looking at this just there. If Baytown Lee can beat New Caney Porter, you theoretically have a potential for New Caney Porter, Kingwood Park, and Baytown Lee to all end up at four and four with a three-way tie. And if we, we see uh, – Barbers Hill beat Port Arthur Memorial. You might see Laporte, Port Arthur Memorial, and Barbers Hill have a three-way tie, uh, all at uh, you know, seven and one. So we could have two three-way ties to try to figure out what the four playoff spots are going to be. But I think that kind of gets to your point that it might indicate that when you have seven versus eight, that third seed, whoever ends up that third seed, it's going to be a really good team. Going to come out of there, but but what I think is fascinating is you potentially have Lancaster going over to Port Arthur Memorial, a Lancaster team that seems like they kind of finally figured it out, and that is a potential upset. You know, it's like you know that first seed you don't want to see a a good Lancaster team who is motivated coming to your town looking to make you know a a name at your expense. So you know maybe these teams are kind of like hoping they can lose. You know, like let's get to that second seed. You know, let's get. Let's get McKinney North instead of uh, Lancaster. 
the thing with Barbers Hill is that I, I mentioned Cody Fuentes. Their offense is really good, but their defense is giving up points, which is why I think Port Arthur Memorial will score on them. So how does that fare when if Barbers Hill does happen to be the team that comes up to play Forney? Forney's offense is not as good as their defense, but their defense is pretty good. So that's bringing a powerful def- offense against a good defense. And then two, maybe average offense against defense on the other side. That could be an interesting game. We'll see how that thing plays out. All right, Eighth Friday, that's Wardhawk. Wardhawk for the day. Wardhawk. I want to get five. Here's another thing that we could have led with if we didn't have bangers out there is the three five A Division two. Man, talk to me about what happened to Emerson. Tell, maybe tell the people in case they didn't see and 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 how maybe that'll affect them mentally going down the, into the postseason. Yeah, the the game against uh, Lake Dallas was a complete. Just they they let it get away. They were up thirteen and with like two and a half minutes left in the game, we're almost getting into Plano East John Tyler sta- uh, status right here. And they got fourth down, and apparently they've had some issues in field goal execution. So it's fourth and nine. They're at like the Lake Dallas sixteen, uh, and all they got to do here is like get a first down, and they win the game. Uh, or, you know, they can kick a field goal and go up 16 at that point, which is two scores and two two-point conversions. But they choose to go for it, and they throw a deep out, which Lake Dallas intercepts for 80 yards. And then Lake Dallas is able, to, three plays later, to score a touchdown. So they're now down six, and all of a sudden uh, they get an onside kick, and they take that uh, drive back, and they uh, – end up winning the game uh, pretty much one of those things where it was like a 98, 99% likelihood that Emerson at that point, if you had your little game tracker up, uh, was going to win that game. Emerson found a way to lose that game. So this is two heartbreaking losses in the final minute of a game now that Emerson has had against the two playoff teams. So what are we going to get out of Emerson? Because Emerson looks like they are like they can't win the big one, like they can't win any of the any of the any ones against yeah. teams that they're not significantly better than. And now there's a chance, very outside chance, that Denton goes in there and beats Argyle and Lake Dallas, and they're the two seed. All right, there, there is. A, I think that if they did that, they might theoretically be the one. They would be, be the one seed too, right? Yeah. Being the one seed or something. All, right, well, I'm with crazy that. All, all kinds of crazy. But there is a hypothetical as well. If if Emerson loses to Frisco Independence by seventeen and Denton loses uh, their game, that Emerson might not make the playoffs because at that point they would have they could lose a coin flip uh, because all three because Emerson beat Denton like sixty nine to seven or something uh, yeah. and Denton beat uh, Frisco Independence by like twenty or thirty. So if Frisco Independence can beat Frisco Emerson by seventeen or more, which is the max tiebreaker. All three of them will have beaten each other by the max, so then we'd have to do a coin flip. So we'd have to do a coin flip for two spots with three teams. Yeah. One of those fun hypotheticals. I remember one of the most famous coin flips ever was like Odessa Permian and Abilene. They all went out to Whataburger and had to do a coin flip back in the day. And it was like they had TV cameras out there and all that kind of stuff. I could not imagine a world where Frisco Emerson did not make the playoffs because of a coin yeah. flip board. No, because of two games losing in the last one. They're not going to lose to Frisco Independence. No, they're going to take it out on They get a COVID outbreak or something if all of a sudden, you know, their top two teams, you know, like the first team and second team get a little food poisoning. I mean, you never, you never know, Ward. They're going to take the week off, think about what happened, and then put 
put a 55-point beating on Independence, and we'll get back into the postseason. Any goodbyes in this district? Uh, we are going to say goodbye to a team, uh, but I can't remember which team we're going to say goodbye. We're going to say goodbye to Frisco Memorial. Frisco Memorial is – I thought they were going to make the playoffs, and they were up against Denton a majority of that game, but Denton came back and took care of business. So well, now we go from them making the playoffs to saying goodbye. Uh, saying goodbye. Now, I do think that they'll beat Carrollton Creekview, so I think they'll have the, the goodbye. They'll get to say they could win the last game. So the goodbye. Good goodbye. goodbye on a win. Goodbye on a win. Go back Sorry to- you couldn't beat Denton. Gave me a loss last week, Frisco Memorial. Gave me a loss. Uh-huh. Look, at his, look at his eyebrows go down. You don't want to see that. Uh, Memorial guys, get it together. Hey, I'll be at this game, 4-5-A Division Two, Grapevine and Arlen Tice. As a matter of fact, now that I think of it, I was at that game last year. But you I'm going to be at it this year. It's on the road at Farrington for Grapevine. Uh, from If you look over the scores and do your collaborations, what do you think is going to happen in this game uh, in your mind? And this is like which team doesn't want it more. It's like both these teams keep showing how flawed they were. You know, I look at Grapevine, it's like they barely beat O.D. Wyatt. They beat it by 13, but ended with defense. But then you see Arlington Heights and, and Southwest last week, and Arlington Heights had to get a, get a late win against Southwest. So I think Grapevine with that defense is going to be able to slow them down. I think it's going to be an ugly game. I think you're going to have to really look for highlights in this game. You know, it's going to be like a 14-7 to 7 kind of game board and probably a, a – you know, it's going to be a – one yard rush is, is what you're going to get. One yard rushes for touchdowns. Jesus, I don't not going to get big plays. As long as it happens, great line fourteen to seven. If it happens in the second half, I'll be all right. So that's where I'll be. It'll be fourteen to seven going into the second half, and you're. And then that's what will end. That's, that's, what, that's what you got. That would be brutal. All right. Well, another game I'll be at is Midlothian Heritage at Seguin. By the way, if I tell you guys I'm at these games, you want to holler at me? I'll be on the sidelines, probably just roam around by myself lonely feel free to come out and say something to me dig she likes to shy away up in the in the press box and not talk to the people i'm down here for the people so feel free to say something to me tell me how much you dislike digs and i'll get it back to him and he'll be able to sit with that ward is a man of the people like people are doing this like it's like a where's ward wardlow where's wardo kind of a thing every week that you're like somebody is coming and saying hi to you they're seeing your, your ugly mug I've heard people say stuff about the podcast, and I love it. I'm always down for some feedback. Let me know what's, what I'm doing wrong, because we all know what Diggs is doing wrong. He's picking wrong. That's what he does. Picking wrong. Well, that's true. He picks great. I said Frisco Reedy was not going to make the playoffs. That's what I did. That's what okay. you got on this podcast. You go back to the, the campfire four months ago. I buried Reedy. I said, Reedy, done. Don't worry about Reedy. They're not going to make the playoffs. Sherman, it's the rise of Sherman. Yeah. And then Sherman fires her coach and – Sherman's last stand, and it's over with. All right. Uh, I said Heritage against Seguin. Has Seguin – what did Seguin do to Ennis? Did, did they do something to Ennis to make it so that Ennis is going to stumble and not make the postseason? Or what, what do you feel about that? And then tell me how you feel Seguin will match up against Heritage in a rainy field. There's a chance, always a chance, you know. I, you know, but uh, this this was a situation where Seguin got up on him twenty three nothing in the first half, and then had to hold on. Uh, you know, like Ennis figured it out. We talk about these teams only playing one half, and it's only played one half. Uh, and you can't do that against a team like Seguin, who's good enough to convert that. Midlothian Heritage has shown us that they can play forty eight minutes 
all you know, they, they've they've not had a bad game yet this year. Uh, I think they are basically playing at their maximum capacity, and and that's a really good playoff sign that they are basically playing at their peak every single game from week one all the way until now. They are playing their best football every single week. Whereas Arlington Seguin, you know, they have bad games, they have clunker games, they have good games. You know, they've you know. Arlington Seguin, you look at the resume, they beat Midlothian. They beat Ennis. I mean, it's a very good resume, but they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They're going to need Ennis to lose to Summit. They're going to need uh, Everman to probably beat Midlothian Heritage, which we know Midlothian Heritage isn't losing right now. Is there a chance? There is a chance, but a very low one. I think Seguin's going to be a very hard luck ranked team that uh, does not make the playoffs. And I don't think they're going to beat Midlothian Heritage this week. I think Midlothian Heritage is going to make a statement on them. I think Midlothian Heritage wins this game by 28. I wonder, does Wildman have natural turf or they got that new stuff? They got the, the older version of it. In okay. fact, uh, I, I saw an article, uh, and I haven't seen much people talk about came across it was like a random Fox 4 article uh, that Arlington ISD is building a new stadium over there, like on the campus hmm. of Martin. So uh, so I, I doubt they're going to be doing much upgrading to any of the older stadiums uh, hmm. if they're building a brand new stadium on Martin's campus. But uh, I didn't even know that. I, didn't, yeah, I, didn't know I, I just figured they're just going to stick with their rotation of maybe renegotiating with UTA Maverick or getting back into uh, uh, staying That's at cool. Choctaw. But no, they're just going to build a new $30 million stadium over there. Hmm. That's interesting. Hey, we do have playoff football. We got playoff football in six five A. We got the zone action satisfaction, and we got uh, we got Seagaville taking on Kimball for the right to play, uh, and probably lose to Sock in the final. But uh, Sock's playing Woodrow. Tell me what you think about the Seagaville uh, Kimball game because that one actually could be fairly interesting here. This is a fascinating game. I, if it was on Thursday, I'd go to it. Like without, you know, I, I've seen several people lament that they wish it was on Thursday yeah. uh, because there's so many great games on Friday. You know, like I'll be at, you know, probably the best game. You talk about all the good games. Plano East, Louisville, Friday night. Diggsy will be there. You know, we'll, we'll have all of your coverage. And I'm yeah, going to be battling the Louisville PA announcer. I told you I'd be talking about, we talk at 6-5-A. Yeah. We'll be talking about Plano East. We're going to find a way to make it. But I'm, I'm sad Seagoville and Kimball is not a uh, Thursday night game because I would love to see it. Kimball offensively has been very underrated. I mean, they have been putting up some big numbers. Uh, they played Sock probably the, the best anybody in DISD has played Sock this year. Uh, Bam, Bam Harrison is got this Kimball team looking great. And Seagaville has been good. Yeah, there's that game that you went to where they had the four interceptions and one half uh, against Conrad. And then, but the running game that we thought we were going to see that was just going to be next level hasn't quite been there uh, to, to the extent that we thought it could be. Uh, so I feel like Seagaville has been flawed, but Kimball has been on the rise, I think if they played their best game, Seagaville would be a favorite. But Kimball has been more consistent at playing their best game than Seagaville has, so I'm going to give uh, Kimball the edge. Ooh, interesting. And then Kim will go on and play Sox, so Kim will be the two seed, and Seagaville, you were say, would probably say would be the three. You think they could beat Woodrow? Yeah, I think I think Sox. Oh, I, I think. Uh, Woodrow has played up and down again, and we already saw Seagoville beat Kimball, or, or Seagoville already beat Woodrow this year pretty convincingly. Uh, so if they had rematches, I think uh, it, it would hold serve. All right. Interesting. All right. 
You we it's a deep tease. We did the deep tease, and now he's gonna get. I'm giving it to you. Takes two hours to get you there, but we're finally gonna take you there. Tease Crandall and Dennison. Give it to him, Diggsy. Man, my my guy Jason Della Rosa. I tagged him at three o'clock in the morning on the dump, and he gave me the information I needed to go. This is a fun game because if Dennison can beat Crandall by ten or more, they are your third place team in this district. If they only win by six to nine. They are your fourth place team in this district, mm-hmm. and if they lose, if they win by five or less or lose, they don't make the playoffs. So this game will determine whether or not. I mean, there there are some ways that Greenville could. If Greenville beats Lovejoy, you know, we talked about those hypotheticals and how I kind of dismiss those hypotheticals. But in the most likely scenarios, if those things happen. They could theoretically go from third, fourth, or fifth in, in this game. And I thought I, I was very impressed at what Crandall did uh, last week in beating Terrell. That kind of came out of left field. I wasn't expecting that, especially after Lovejoy beat him 76 nothing or whatever it was uh, their previous week. Denison is a team that has been injured all year, but they finally feel like they're healthy right now. So I think Denison is going to win this game by 10 or more points and end up as your third seed in this district. Uh, and that uh, w- would send Crandall out of the playoffs, uh, even though uh, if they six to nine, you know, you could have a situation where Crandall is like trying to kick a field goal and say, you know, try to get it under 10 uh, because you know, that of, of point differentials, there was, there was a game uh, a couple of years ago. I think it was like Keller against Justin Northwest. Northwest. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. Or they oh, kick exactly. a field goal and, Lose but win, you know. I was at that one. It was brutal. Whatever the point was, uh, the Northwest kid uh, who actually went on to Kansas, Emmanuel Moore, I think it was, was taking a kickoff return all the way back for a touchdown that would give him the points to get into the playoffs. And you can see in my lens, because this happened, we talked about the Highland Park Perkner game. You can see in my lens, a Keller player was looking around for somebody and ran in front of him with his back out. And the Northwest guy ran into him so that ref didn't all he saw was the run into the back thing and threw a clip on him brought the touchdown back and then northwest didn't make the playoffs because they didn't get the significant amount of points but those points games man you got to have a coach sitting there that's his only job right to pull the defensive back coach off of uh calling any kind of plays just with a pad of paper and tallying up points because you got to know what time it is to get through into the postseason should be interesting by the way that brings up another thing uh Talking about that bogus play, I saw the most bogus touchdown of all times, Paradise against Brock last week. I don't know if you caught the highlights. Paradise quarterback threw an obvious shovel pass right into the ground. Uh, The wide receiver that hit his foot would pick it up and threw it back to the quarterback as if it was a fumble. And then the quarterback threw a touchdown. And the ref was like, yeah, that's that's what it was. It was a fumble. It was I was like, this is about as bogus as heck. But of course Brock won by fourteens or whatever it was, twelve. 12. So it didn't really matter, but the, the, that was about as bogus as it gets as far as touchdowns go. Holy yeah, we, our our sister podcast, the uh, District Four Three A report, uh, I was very proud of myself because I gave a ten minute dissertation on the, the Brock versus Paradise game and I had Brock winning twenty four to fourteen, twenty six to fourteen. Your guy Diggsy right there. To to the point. I was getting to the point as far as that goes. He knows it. Hey next week is the last week of the regular season, Diggsy. We got a million Thursday games as you brought up that we need to get to. So 
We will be breaking down those games by then. Diggs will have this whole playoff scenario figured out. I'm going to let him take the lead on that because he knows everything. Or at least but will we have World Series baseball? Will we? We're, we're taping this podcast just for, for full disclosure so you can understand the context. Yeah. At 4 p.m. on Monday afternoon before the Astros. So when this is released, it's, you know, it, it's a spoiler alert. So you can see the optimism here. And you already know you, you've got the spoiler by the time you've seen yeah. this. Will we have World Series talk will next week here time. on the DFW podcast? Will we have fingernails left? Will we and will it interfere with our podcast next week? Those are the questions we have to yeah, figure out. We may have to do this Sunday afternoon. And will we have Diamondbacks talk? Is that game out? That's still there. That's true. We won't have Diamondbacks talk, but will we have World Series baseball? And will Dixie get us tickets with his connections? We'll do the podcast from the left field bleachers. That'd be great. We, we can do a live podcast. You, you, should, you should make that happen. Talk to the Arlington Commission, and we'll, we'll we'll go to we'll go to game two and do our podcast live with that in the background. You know, and, and we, you should work, you should work that out. Ward. You're, you're the producer. You, you got the media credentials. You you work on that. All right, I'll make a couple, two, three calls. You, you let them know I'm sports writer of the year. I'll get my award. You just show them that and say, that. let him in. Let him in. My, I'll pull out Miami, and but those and two Emmy. awards together, we ought to be able to do something special. Right. All right, let's see. All right, and brother. will be the ultimate digging for wisdom. Digging for wisdom in left field. Live That's from the left field. Broadcast. As we share a boomstick, uh, one foot joints. We Make that happen. Apply for that, Ward. Just, just for fun. Just have them tell us no. Make them tell us no. There you go. <laughs> That'll be quick for him, too. No. <laughs> Think about it for a little bit. Jeez. All right, brother, I'm done with you. I'll talk to you next week. Yet another week you don't want to talk about small schools, Ward. I just what, what, just, just tell, tell, end the show by telling telling the, the fans. That's another big game next week, by the way. Salina versus Panther Creek that you won't want to talk about. No, That'll be, be a big game. Tell, just tell them you hate, hate small schools so we can just I'm not going to do it. I'm the one who brought it up. Paradise Brock. Did you all hear me talk about that? Hello. You had two small school games on the on the on the show this week, right? I did. I had Stephenville and China Spring. Stephenville and Croc versus. Now, see, a lot of people would say Stephenville versus China Spring is not a DFW game, but what did you do? You brought it, it in. Man. I made it. I had to pull out my compass. I figured Stephenville is right in there, and it's small. It's a it's a small school North Texas game, and we covered it. Man, we, we covered so small. You 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 make our TV show care more about small schools than our podcast. We got to get you. We got to get an advertiser so they can stay on you about small schools more. I'll give you your small school could, talk next week as you break down. Track, you get a tractor in company, tractor supplies, get, and you'll tell us which teams are on their way to postseason glory. Is Gunter going to do it again? Yes. Again, and you, I'll let you take it from there. All right, brother. Oh, I'm out of here. Talk to you later. See you down the road.